noisy narratives, we will actually be talking about a difficult topic. We will be talking about abusive relationships. So if you are listening right now with younger ears, we just want you to know that moving forward that this conversation may be a little hard. Also, if you are concerned about a relationship that you are in that you think may possibly be abusive, we would like you to know about some organizations that are here to help. The National Hotline at thehotline.org is somewhere you can go online for some resources. You may also call their 24-hour hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE, 1-800-799-7233. Some local organizations are Genesis Women's Shelter. You can go to genesisshelter.org, or you can call their 24-hour hotline at 214-946-4357, or you can also contact Hope's Door, New Beginning. You can go to hdnbc.org or call their 24-hour hotline at 972-276-0057. And also, please feel free to reach out to the Noisy Narratives team by emailing us on this website, you know, from this podcast, if you feel like you need someone to talk to or to get some local resources. As always, we are praying for our listeners and our community and um, know that Noisy Narratives is here for you as we share these hard stories. Hello, welcome to Noisy Narratives. Um, we are here today with Ke- Kelly Mallory, and she is going to share her story with us, and we're excited to have her. But for right now, introductions. Um, this is Debbie. This is Christy. This is Kelly. And uh, we are going to start off here in a little bit about Kelly, where she is right now, and um, kind of where she's living. Mm-hmm. Kelly, you want to tell us about you and your family? Yes, uh, my name's Kelly Mallory. I am married to a man named Shane. I have a five-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. We are members here at FBC, and I am the co-coordinator of MOPS here at church. Which is how Kelly and I know each other. Because I'm Mother's mom's a preschooler. Yeah, she's MOPS, and I'm mom's next, yes. and we do Bible study on Friday mornings together. We've been studying Revelation, and we're excited. It's almost done. <laughs> we can move forward. Um, Kelly is sitting with us at this table today and talking with us and she's going to share with us what happened as her 21 year old self is a good way to kind of establish a kind of a pin in the storyline um but you went to where'd you go to college let's start there i went to well i started off in college station mm-hmm. i was going to Blinn, and then summer after my sophomore year um i transferred to university of new orleans i was there for about six weeks with Hurricane Katrina, and that took me oh, back to Texas, and okay. I went to Concordia University in Austin. And that's where you graduated? In- yes. Okay, so then you're in Concordia, you're in Austin, and you meet a boy. Yes. And y'all start dating. Correct. How did y'all meet? Just through mutual friends. We okay. were both dating other people, Okay. and then those relationships ended, and we started dating. Okay, very cool. And you lived on campus at the time? I did. I lived did you live dorm. on campus your entire college? No. Oh, just during that season. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he lived on campus? He did. And he also worked as a security officer? He did, for the school. For the school. Like okay. one of the just the college jobs a lot of the guys in school did. Okay. So if y'all can't clue into what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about abusive relationship that Kelly was in. And yes. so we're going to kind of go down this path. Um, okay. So you're in college. Yes. You're dating. You want to call him the boy? Sure. Just call him the boy. Sure. So you're dating the boy. And... Um, Things start changing. Things start changing. You start seeing different behavior. But it may not be super different to you, but it's different in your relationship. No, it was very gradual. Yes. It wasn't anything that 
I would consider a giant red flag, you know. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just like I suddenly woke up one day with a black eye. Mm -hmm. Um, It was little things like blocking a room when I would try to leave or taking my cell phone away or trying to guide how I hung out with my friends and which friends I hung out with. And it wasn't, he never told me no or anything like that. It was just he would express his opinions Mm -hmm. very openly to where I would start to doubt mm-hmm. and try to you know move towards his friendships and hanging out with him. Um, super controlling. Let's talk about the friendship conversation okay. for a minute. What did that look like? How does someone guide another person away from hanging out with their friends? So I had just moved to the school recently. Okay. So most so of new? my friends, yes, okay. I had friends in Austin, mm-hmm. but a lot of my friends were still on College Station, and I had no problem going to see them. Mm-hmm. Um, going to stay with them for the weekend. But it was just little things like, well, they never come to see you. You're mm-hmm. always putting in all the work. Why Why would you put so much work into that relationship when these people want to be mm-hmm. with you all the time? Just stuff like that that okay. I knew not to be true, but mm-hmm. when you hear it all the time, it just it starts to resonate. Absolutely. Okay. So then um, y'all are dating for a year, correct? Mm-hmm. And then you're feeling comfortable and he proposes. Yes. Now, in that year, had things been changing? Like, I think you alluded to kind of an incident before where, so he's a security guard, Mm -hmm. and you're living in the dorm, and he has access to your room. Well, before we even got engaged, something happened where we were sitting on, um, like, a twin bed, Mm -hmm. and I went to get up, and he pulled my arm back, and it was too hard, and I Mm -hmm. fell back and hit my head on the wall. And it was immediately, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I, I didn't write it off, but... I could easily justify how that was an accident. It was just sure. stronger than he thought. But no, once we got engaged, um, there was a fight, and we were outside, and I was like, you know what? I just want to go inside, go to bed, inside my dorm room. It was split, boys on one side, girls on the other. So I went back to my room, um, and I actually lived, my friend was the RA, and so it had your main living room, and then off of the living room was were four bedrooms, and it was just the two of us in one room. So you have a roommate in there? I do, yes. Okay. She was not home at the time. Okay. Um, so it was just me, and but I had two locked doors between me, and I went to sleep. And I woke up, and he was there, and he was trying to wake me up, and I was terrified. At first, I didn't know it was him. Then I realized it was him, and I just started trying to fight my way out of the room. You know, it's a tiny, tiny dorm room. There's enough room for a desk and a bed. Mm-hmm. So it was a lofted bed, so I had to, like, get down oh, and try to get out and... And he was able to get in because he was a security officer, like you said. To he had the keys to the whole building. He had keys to the whole campus. Wow. He could have gotten in anywhere. Okay. And I made it out into the hall, and his partner was there, who I considered a friend of mine. And, it, I mean, it was his best friend, but by that time I considered that my friend, mm-hmm. too. And he was saying, oh, he was just so worried about you. He didn't want to go to bed angry, um, or he didn't want you know you to go to bed angry. And he was just trying to... Keep everything on track. Is he a believer? Yes. So is he ever using scripture in a skewed way in that situation? Like, don't go to, what is it, don't go? You don't let the sun go down on your anger? (laughs) Yes. I don't remember it. I'm thinking like (laughs) he's saying. I don't remember it happening at that point. Okay. If it did, I just don't remember. It happened later. Okay. I do know that. Which we'll get to. Um, Other people, it was, you know, it was a private Christian university. Other people definitely used it. But we weren't married yet, so there wasn't really that to... I hate to use the term hang over my head, but that's yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to go to a supervisor to talk about the key situation, but he 
along with his friends, convinced me he could not afford to lose the job. That you know, that was the only job he had to pay for stuff with from school. And that if we, I was going to forgive him and we were going to get married in a few months, I was setting him up to fail by losing this income. Because we were both about to graduate, you know, move on, mm-hmm. take jobs, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So. So then do y'all, so you're engaged. Mm-hmm. This happens. You've got a couple things planted in your head of kind of yuckiness in the relationship. Yes. Right? And so do y'all that do. That I thought I could change. Oh. That's a whole Oh, for sure. <laughs> so you're, you're thinking this will change, he will change, or you can change him. I thought he was going through a tough season of life with things with his own family. And I thought I was being the forgiving person mm-hmm. standing by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so at that time, or during your engagement, do y'all go through premarital, premarital counseling at all? We do. Okay. Through the church we were getting married at with the pastor. Did these things get brought up? They did. And his, the boy's father had anger issues, so that was brought up a lot. But I distinctly remember asking the pastor, where's the line between being a forgiving spouse and being a doormat? I distinctly remember sitting on that couch asking him. With him next to you? or Yes, just, oh. with him next to oh, me. Oh, he's right there. And yes. you asked that. That's yes. kind of ballsy. <laughs> well, thank you. And the pastor just said, Jesus always tells us to forgive. There was no mention of abuse, what constitute right. where the line is. He didn't say, why are you asking that? Right, he, he just didn't. Answered. And I didn't offer it up. Yeah. But I feel like someone in that power should see mm-hmm. well what year is this 2007 okay so yeah because there's a lot that's happened mm-hmm. in the last 10 years that yep. we'll get yes. to later that have changed <laughs> i don't think that would be a pastor's response now right. i would hope not oh I would absolutely know better but um so you're going through premarital counseling yes um these things are coming up yes at any time were you like I cannot marry this guy. Are you just following counsel and just asking these questions? And pastors are like, no, you need to forgive always, which in your mind meant you need to stay with him. I think I thought a hundred times that I shouldn't marry him, but it always came back to all of my childhood issues and rocky relationships and not having a good um, example of marriage and I was super close to both my sisters, and they had both since gotten married and had their own families, and I just wanted a family mm-hmm. of my own so desperate. I was yeah. going to get it yeah. one way or the other. Absolutely. So you get so what else happens through your engagement, like leading up to your marriage? Are there other things that just kind of gradually pile on? Yes, I would definitely say so. Um, there was a lot of in my head and talk between the two of us, well, once we graduate, things will get better. Once we move to this new city, things will get better. Once I start this new job, things will get better. And I believed it, of course, because I wanted it. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to get better. Mm -hmm. So I I made the conscious choice daily to just believe it. Right. Do you think he believed, sorry, do you even think he believed it though? I mean, that's what I find interesting is I think a lot of times men who fall into this category, whether abusive or narcissistic or whatever it is, they genuinely believe I do. things will I, get better. If I had to guess at this point, I would definitely say he did believe it. He thought it would. He thought the pressures would change. That would suddenly change personalities. That would suddenly change expectations. Which is just another demonstration that he wasn't looking at himself as being responsible for his behavior. He was looking at his circumstances. So if the circumstances changed, in his mind, that meant... 
Yes. His behavior would change. Yes. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So you guys move forward through engagement. Yes. And then you get married. We got married. We did. We did the whole big wedding, everything. Is your family on board during this? They are. During this moment, during the ceremony? They are. My family is very non-confrontational. And so I found out much later, of course, things were said, you know, whispered. They'd ask each other, that kind of thing. But nothing was ever said directly to me except by, I had one friend. Her name was Carrie, and she's still my friend to this day. She took me out for breakfast the morning of my wedding, and she sat me down, and she said, if you don't want to do this, I will drive you away right now. Oh, she's a good girlfriend. She is. And she said, I don't really know what's going on with you. I just feel the need to tell you this. And I almost went with her. I really did. But I I just wanted things to get better. Mm-hmm. I did. And I, I'll never forget, we were sitting at Maudie's Tex-Mex Hacienda and having breakfast tacos. <laughs> and So she saw something then. She did. She didn't herself. know what she saw. But she just knew that something was off. There was a red flag to her. Mm-hmm. And how and are she, you feeling about him at that point, at this point? Like, you're about to marry him, but you have reservations. So what would you call that? I, I don't, that's a good question. What would I call that? I don't know. I just, I think I wanted the idea of a family. Mm-hmm. It To me, he was just... He, he was a warm body that fit into that. And you're still idea. young. We still have to remember yes. that you're young yeah, and you have older sisters mm-hmm. and you're at a point and you're probably going, if, I, if this is not him, I'm never going to get married. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I'm, you know, I don't yeah. be 23 and, and left still behind. single. Right. Yep. Exactly. So y'all have been married for a couple of months and did you stay? Were you, was it a easy couple months? Like when y'all, when you first got married, was your first year easy? Oh, no. We okay. didn't make it a year. Okay. Let's go um, Two months in to our marriage, you know, we had just had blow-up fight after blow-up fight, and I actually left and stayed in a hotel, and I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I packed up a bag full of clothes because I knew whatever I did, I was terrified to make it permanent. Mm -hmm. I wanted to leave and him realize it was so Mm -hmm. awful without me and change, Mm -hmm. you know, I wanted him to change. Mm -hmm. And I was staying at the Holiday Inn in Kerrville, Texas, and I started getting all these phone calls from people we had gone to school with. You know, my not really my friends, more mutual friends or his friends, and just telling me that I had made a vow to God. Mm-hmm. I was sinning by even um, thinking of leaving him. I was walking out on him when he needed me most. I was not being a devoted wife. All of this. Yuck. Just guilt. Yes. Yeah. Yuck. There you go. <laughs> so what led up to that? What led up to you leaving and staying at a hotel? Just fight after fight after fight. Him. Fights over what? Oh like gosh. you didn't put the spices in the right order? I heard that <laughs> no, from no, a friend. No, no, no. It, was never, it was never like neurotic like that. It was he he would lie a lot about Anything, he was very controlling with money. I was never allowed to um, see the bank statements. Did he give you an allowance, and if you spent that allowance, it was gone? Or how were you allowed that money? Um, I I did not combine my finances with him at first, and that was a huge issue with him. And so then we ended up combining a little bit, but I kept Mm -hmm. some 
for myself. So, and I didn't have a job at that time. I was having trouble finding a job in Kerrville. And so I felt very dependent upon him. He had a steady job. And, you know, I was trying to make the best of it, trying to make a life of it. But I wasn't happy where we were. Um, I was far away from my family, far away from friends. And at that point, it was more disappointment from the fact that he had promised once we got married, once we moved Mm -hmm. to a new city, once we graduated college, that everything would change and nothing had changed. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I started to kind of draw my line in the sand. And I started standing up for myself. And I started saying, okay, all of I have waited. I've been patient. All of this stuff has changed. Now you're not holding up your end of the bargain. And when I would do that, he would get enraged and he would throw things or he would start to just drink more or he would, we lived in a two-story apartment, um, stairs on the inside. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he would, if I would go to walk upstairs, he would chase me. Like, oh, and it was just all of these kinds of issues. So I told him if I, when I was at the hotel, if I was going to come back, he had to get counseling and with anger management. He had to agree to that. Like that was the only way I would even consider working on the marriage at that point. Mm-hmm. I didn't even agree to, you know, stay forever. It was just, I will consider working on it. And he mm-hmm. said, okay, absolutely. He found a counselor. I talked to the counselor on the phone. He um, had the checkbook where he was writing out checks to the um, he went to like a, a group session for anger management, a group of men, and then he went to private counseling sessions. And I would see these check stubs. Well, it turns out those were getting voided out. Oh, he did go goodness. to the first one. He would leave and drive the hour into Fredericksburg, mm-hmm. drive around for an hour, then come back home. He was not doing Such any deception. of the work. Yes. Because mm. he always says, I. He, he went through that first session and he said, I am not like these guys. I am not as bad as them. Oh I don't hit you. I don't give you a black eye. Physically, but he right. doesn't realize what he does on the inside. This exactly. This words affect your heart and your brain. Exactly. Okay. So he's justifying his behavior. Absolutely. By minimizing it, by comparing it to other people. Yes. Other men saying, I'm not as bad as these guys. Yes. So then you're at the hotel. He follows the minimum requirements. You come home. Mm-hmm. You're seeing these checks come, then you realize they're being voided and he's not really going. Yes. And then what happens? Um, let me think for a second. I'm trying to keep my timeline yes. straight. Do you mention um, to a friend, maybe? Do you ever reach out to a friend? Or do you go to Austin? So, yes. There we go. That's what it was. So, a four, about three or four months later, I we had had the big blow up where I confronted him about the check stubs. And at that point, I I was not surprised and that was a big red flag that I finally noticed. Wait, that, real fast. Have you told your sisters about any of this? At um, any point? I've told my oldest sister some, okay. but... Not these super duper details. Not the super duper details because they're kind of just like, oh, you say he's bad? That means he's bad. We've got your I back. Know. You That's have all to be we careful. To Absolutely. Good point. Good point. So... Okay. So you go to Austin. Yes. And I meet up with an old friend who did not go to school with us. I've just known her a long time. Stayed with, at her house for the weekend, just had a girl's weekend. It was nothing. And I opened up to her, and she she is a strong Christian. And I, I opened up to her a tiny bit. Let me be clear on that. Yeah. I did not tell her everything. Mm-hmm. I just told her some of his behaviors. Well, it's hard to open up about that stuff because you are kind of going, 
maybe I did something. Maybe oh, absolutely. this is part I, of me. Maybe this is I could justify me. everything. Absolutely. I brought it on. Yes. I, I always thought that I did stuff to escalate. I never thought I deserved it, but right. I always thought I did stuff to escalate the problem. Right. That I was not blameless, so mm-hmm. therefore, how could I be one to fault him? Right. So I told her all this stuff, and she just immediately was horrified. And she offered her support, said, you need to get out whichever way you can. You know, and she is a hardcore Catholic, like doesn't believe in oh, divorce, goodness, yeah. you know, and she was just, you, you've got to, you've got to figure this out. You've got to do something. And so I sat with that and I was like, you know, I got to go back. I got to figure out what I'm going to do. Cause at this point I was more logistically concerned about getting my stuff out, getting my right. finances. I was also concerned about controlling the narrative at that point because I knew what he was capable of. Mm-hmm. And at that point that was super important to me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't to the point where I didn't care what it cost me to get out. Mm-hmm. I was still trying to save face because right. there was so much shame. Because mm-hmm. um, you knew he would talk. Oh, absolutely. And what you were really were fearing were the fact that people might believe him. Yes. And can, and then think badly of you yes. and how much that would hurt. Because it took one weekend with an old friend mm-hmm. for her to just point out all the old things about me. But mm-hmm. I was like, yes, th- this That's is who I am. I am a happy person. I'm a confident person. I don't take... Yeah. You know, garbage from people. I'm a nice person and I'm forgiving, but I'm not a doormat. So it's just so one weekend. Are you praying at all during this time? Like, Lord, this is not right. Lord, get me out of this. Or have you even gone down that road of, Lord, I went out of this yet? Um, or is there not a prayer? You might be like, I wasn't on a prayer train at all. You know, I don't know that I actually remember what my day-to-day prayers were. I know I was still going to church. I still mm-hmm. had a relationship with God. I don't, I know for sure I was not in his word seeing what he wanted me to do because I was clearly making lots of wrong choices. I was more in panic mode. Yeah. Trying to. Trauma. Yes. Trauma. Absolutely. So you get back from Austin and I'm sure your welcome home wasn't like, I missed you. No, no. It was um, a terrifying welcome home. He immediately accused me of cheating on him when I was in Austin. It was this horrible he had just made up his mind, this is what I'd done, and I was going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And let me say, up until then, there were physical things that had happened. But like I said, I never had a black eye. I never had a busted lip. Mm-hmm. So I there was no police report ever mm-hmm. filed. I didn't feel that I was justified in calling this physical abuse because it was not as bad as. Mm-hmm. So he was justifying things, and I was justifying things. Mm-hmm. And... Let me be very clear. I know now it was physical abuse. Yeah. Even though I did not have a bruise, that does not mean someone is allowed to shake me, push me, right. you know, hold me against my throw will. Throw things at you. Throw things mm-hmm. at Bar me. Bar you from leaving a room Absolutely. or the house. Yes. Um, so what happened is I came home. We were in the kitchen arguing. Um, he started to come at me. I ran up the stairs to, there was a, bedroom and a guest bedroom upstairs. I ran into the guest bedroom bathroom and there was no, there was a lock on it, but it wasn't strong. He had managed to just turn the doorknob hard enough to break it and was pushing in on the door. And I was using my body to stop it. And I had my feet propped up on the toilet. He was pushing so hard that the toilet came unsealed from the bottom and shifted into the bathtub. And so by this time with the doorknob in my head, I was getting bruised and scratched. Mm -hmm and hit and all that kind of stuff. And 
I did not have my phone with me. I'm going to try really hard not to cry. Uh Um, And I remember screaming so loud that I hoped the neighbors would call the police. Mm. And I don't know how, but somehow he just stopped. And he left. And I know I was praying at that point, so I know that had to be God. Mm -hmm. But I knew I had to get out of there. And I was, at this point, I was on the third floor of the building, so I had to go back down through the house to get out. And I came downstairs to get my cell phone, and he had a knife at his stomach in the kitchen, threatening suicide if I left or did anything. And at that point, because I had been so mentally controlled, I I was like, are they going to blame me for his murder? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? I was just paralyzed with fear. But at the same time, I sat there and I looked at him and I did not care if he killed himself. That's I, w- I was so distant from it that all I could think of was I, I would not be sad at all. Right. And that's when I knew things were bad. But at the same time, I was paralyzed with fear. I didn't know what to do. And so I stayed. And it was two or three more days. We were supposed to be at my mom's house. And I wanted to take two cars. Because I wanted to stay at my mom's house once Wait, I got there. Wait, real fast. So I'm that sorry. all happened. You walk down the stairs. He has a knife mm-hmm. facing his belly. And you don't walk out the door with your cell phone. You literally No, I, I still didn't have my cell phone. Sorry, I should have said that. No. But he, you stayed for the next, like you said, two days before you realized Yes, to figure out how to, to control the situation. Because all I could think of was, you know, from watching all of the Law and Order SVUs uh-huh. and Snapped and all that, was he's going to figure out some way uh-huh. to pin this all on me, no matter what he does. So what were those it two sounds, days like, though? I just stayed in the guest bedroom completely by myself. Was he crying? Was he upset? I'm oh, so yes. sorry. He would, it was back and forth. He was crying and upset. I'm so sorry. And then I'm being dramatic. Yeah. I'm awful. It was Just the normal narrative he's had different. from the very beginning. Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. So. You leave, though, after a couple of days. After a couple of days, we, go to my, we pack up to go to my mom's house for the weekend because we had already had a planned trip there. And my whole um, reason for going on that trip was, by this point, he had even separated me from my sisters. He had constantly been telling me, oh, your sisters think you're dramatic. Your sisters think you just have daddy issues. They never think you're happy. You know, so it won't matter what you tell them. They're not going to believe you. At this point, um, you you have stayed in the house for a couple days. It's been mm-hmm. terrible. You've been staying in the guest room. Yes. You guys are about to go visit your family, yes. your parents, and you're wanting to take two separate cars because you would like to right. stay. Um, but he refuses. He wants to be in one car. In his car. In his not car. Even my not car. even in yours. Mm-hmm. So you At this ahead. point, I'm trying to keep the peace. Yes. Just kind of keep my head down and make it survival mode. Mm-hmm. Make it. So you guys get in his car, and yes. then what happens? Um, we were driving to my mom's house. My stepdad had just been diagnosed with cancer that week, so we were all going to meet up as a family, and he was hounding me because I wasn't happy enough. I wasn't excited enough to be going on this trip with him, and I, at that point, I wasn't even trying to fake it anymore. I, I didn't, I just wanted out. I didn't care what he said to me or what he did to me, so when we got to my mom's house, no one was there except us, so we were unloading the truck, and... I said something that made him mad. I don't even remember what it was. And he was holding a cooler and he was walking in and he just charged at me with it. And I kind of did some type of duck move (laughs) and he went out the front door with the cooler and I just slammed the door and locked it. And I ran around the inside of the house, locking the other doors. And he was screaming up and down my parents' house without banging on the windows, the doors. 
Your parents have neighbors? They do, but they live out in the country. Like, they're on okay. 10 acres, okay, so, so not yes. immediate right. neighbors. Um, and I called my sister, who was an hour away at a baseball game, and I said, I don't want to be married to him anymore, and I need you to tell me that's okay, and I need you to come get me. And she said, absolutely, we're leaving now. And this is Kim. This is Kim, yeah. This is my oldest sister. And so her and my brother-in-law left and came. And, of course, the whole time he's calling everyone we knew to try to control the situation and make me change my mind. But at that point I was done, and I knew I was safe at my mom's house. Mm-hmm. So that's that gave me the confidence I needed. So you're sister and your brother-in-law come mm-hmm. and you're there with your family yes and things are about to change yes things absolutely. are going to be different so we're actually going to leave kelly's story right here for today because we've run out of time we will be picking up kelly's story in part two to this noisy narrative um so you can see that when we drop that right after this one in a few days um so kelly thank you so much for sharing mm-hmm. absolutely your story it's hard and you did a great job. I didn't think I'd be affected talking about it, but it's, <laughs> it's crazy what can come up. Yes. Yeah, all, I'm sure revisiting those emotions can um, be really significant. So we just appreciate your courage and your willingness to share because there will be women listening to this that need to hear your story. So we will drop the next half and there's amazing, um, a wonderful end to it. Um, Because we'll talk about how you meet your current husband and the things that change and the um, heart change you went through along the way and the courage to face things and go to counseling and other things. So we'll talk about that in part two. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, (laughs) until next time, everybody, Um, this is it from Noisy Narratives for today. Um, Have a great week. Bye. Bye.